Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war Welcome to Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio, Thursday edition with Nurse Michelle. If you are new to America Out Loud or Nurses Out Loud, you may not be aware that we have been doing the best we can as nurses to expose the real misinformation and the real purveyors of propaganda. In doing that, we are bringing the real testimonies of American citizens to you weekly, letting you hear what they have witnessed and personally experienced since the 2020 pandemic began. Today, I have with me Britt Galvin, a Florida resident who I discovered on Instagram in 2021 when her COVID-19 vaccine injury videos from the hospital went viral. I immediately started reaching out and following her journey, and we have since become friends. Um, She has suffered greatly because of the COVID-19 vaccine and continues to suffer to this day. Once upon a time, An eyewitness personal testimony counted for something. If you are a skeptic about the reality of the damage being done by the COVID-19 vaccine, or you think that her story is a rare one in a million kind of story, I want you to reconsider that judgment and instead listen to her story as one who happens to be brave enough to actually tell the truth of what happened to herself in spite of incredible censorship and persecution from not only her community and those within the social media community, because it is aggressive out there, but also having experienced gaslighting from the medical community um, that is proven useless in many circumstances for the vaccine injured. Each of these vaccine injured people's stories are unique to them because we are all unique, but this is not a one in a million story. It's just her story. And we want you to hear Britt's story today. And we want you to hear that there are people in need of compassion and help and legal solutions because they exist. And we need to make sure their stories are told and that this is put out there for the American public because we are still having people in authority pushing this vaccine and encouraging more boosters to this day. So without these stories out there, we don't know the truth of what's actually happened. So welcome, Britt, for coming on today. And I want you to start with telling us about how it came to you to be a person among the American citizenry that happened to be hearing all the propaganda, how it impacted you and how you became a person that even took the vaccine. Sure. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Michelle. Um, So yeah, I want to start by saying that this version of my story is going to be very condensed. Um, I will try to give you, you know, as many details as I can, as far as my condition and what I ultimately ended up being diagnosed with and, um, you know, how the story went. But I just want everyone to know that the story is condensed. 
because we only have so much time. Sometimes it can take me hours to tell this story. It is just kind of crazy how it everything has gone down and continues to go down. So I am a mom of three. I live in Tampa, Florida, and I was a vice president of sales for my organization that I've worked for. I've done the same career for 18 years, and it's called PEO, which stands for Professional Employer Organization. Um, I started that, like I said, 18 years ago when I was a very young mom. And at the time I was married, and this is only relevant because it kind of plays into why I ended up getting the vaccine, but um, I was married to a person that wasn't very supportive of me. I was on a hundred percent commission. We had a baby at a very young age and I needed to have insurance. And so I just kind of went into this sales career, even though I'd went to school for forensic psychology at USF, I cut all that down, had the baby and went into sales. I was like, I need money right away. Well, I started making six figures on the very first year and for 18 years held the breadwinner title of the family. It's not something I dote on, but it is something I was very proud of. I did earn my way and I worked really hard. The industry that I'm in is a very niche industry. It's not as simple as going and getting another job. You, you know, it's very difficult to switch companies. Your clients, you know, start to question it. Your partnerships start to question why you've changed companies. And I had already changed companies three times in my career. So my CEO had come to us and he had said, okay, um, he's very one-sided and it was, you need that this vaccine's coming out and you need to get this vaccine if you'd like to go back to work. What he had done is he had put us on a stay-at-home order. So right even before the government did, they basically said, you know, if you guys want to go back to work, if you want to get back to doing your presentations, because our job was to go out and present to people. Um, and it's it's business owners. So we're dealing with tens of thousands of people because we're enrolling people in healthcare. We're working with the employees. So it wasn't just one person at a company we were exposed, exposed to. We were exposed to the entire organization. If you had 300 employees, I was meeting all 300 of your employees. So our, our CEO was like, you're getting this vaccine to get back to work, or you're going to stay at home. You can't even come into the office, not even with a mask, nothing. And you can't come in with only one vaccine. You need both. I was very against it. I was very hesitant. Um, I will say that my children and I are all fully vaccinated of any other recommended vaccines. I've never questioned anything. I I've always trusted my caregivers. I've never, and, and, I feel kind of ignorant saying that because now I've, you know, fast forward, I've learned so much, but I hadn't, I had never questioned a single thing. They told me if your kid needed, you know, this vaccine, your kid got this vaccine. If you needed the flu vaccine, you, you got the flu vaccine. Exactly. And don't feel like you need to call yourself ignorant. Welcome to the population of the medical community as well. So 20 vaccine questions for medical professionals was my first show. And it's to make sure that the medical professionals know just how ignorant they are about vaccines as well. So don't don't blame yourself. You're add add yourself to the population of the majority of American parents and medical professionals as well. It's kind of crazy because, you know, you go in to get your kids at their checkups and vaccinated and they don't even really hand you a pamphlet or anything. They don't tell you side effects. They tell you, oh, we might get a little bit of a fever. And we always thought it was so natural and normal for a child to get a fever, right? You're giving them four vaccines in one time, but that's a whole nother discussion for another story. So another day. Um, so when he told me this, I started looking at uh, information and I started Googling and I couldn't find anything. And I couldn't find anything to go against the own narrative in my head. And the narrative in my head was, well, I don't know enough about this. How did it come out so quickly? 
how is it going to stop the strain if they keep saying that it's going to like mutate? Because back then they were still saying it was going to mutate. I just didn't comprehend. I guess it's like every, I would say the majority of Americans were probably thinking the same thing. Like, oh, we need something. They're saying we need something, but wait, how did this come out so fast? So I did question it. I have multiple emails back and forth to my HR department saying, listen, I have pre-existing conditions. I have autoimmune. I have rheumatoid arthritis. Um, I have a spine issue, which any inflammation on my spine is not going to go well. I do. I'm, I at the time was 35 years old and I have three children. I'm like, I am not, I'm very active. We work out, we boat, we live on the water. We're in t- like, we are outdoors type family. And I was in a place with my RA that I was like in remission. So I did not want, and I had already had a car accident the year before, I guess I should say that. So in June, Father's Day of 2020, I'd already been in a car accident and I believe I had already had what was led to be COVID at the time. And so I was already recovering from something. So I was like, I'm scared of this. What happens if it takes me back? They did not, they denied me any type of like exemption or I didn't even want an exemption at the time. I just wanted more time. I just said, you know, well, why can't I just have more time? And it was, well, if you don't produce, you're going to get fired and you're not going to produce if you don't get back to work. So, like I said, I had already been recovering from a car accident where I hadn't been at work. So for me, now we're going on a whole nother year that I'm looking at if I don't get this vaccine, then I I can't get to work. My husband is a police officer in Hillsborough County here in Tampa, and they were not mandating it for him. His pay is about $100,000 less than me. So it was really one of those conversations where it was, I'm going to take one for the team. Like I looked at him and I will never forget these words that I said to him. And it's not funny at all. I used to laugh, but I said to him, what's the worst it could do? Kill me. And So I finally gave in like a five-year-old and I went up to the pharmacy, which is also a grocery store here in Tampa called Publix. And I went there and I um, asked the pharmacist, am I going to have an, you know, I filled out the one page letter. I put on there that I had had chemotherapy in the past because I had for my RA when I had treated it. I put on there, yes, I have autoimmune. At the bottom of it in very bold letters, it says, if you marked yes to any of this, then you need to speak to a pharmacist. So I handed it to the pharmacist and I said, okay, I marked yes. Is there anything that we need to talk about? And they're like, no, nobody's had any side effects. You're going to be fine. So wow, they literally told me that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. I sat down, I got the shot. They make you walk around the grocery store for 30 minutes to make sure you don't topple over. I didn't topple over. So I went home within a matter of hours. I needed to lay down on the couch. I was not feeling well. My entire body was basically on fire. I did not have a fever, but it felt just like tingles all over. I had um, diarrhea immediately. So I mean, GI upset immediately. It just would not stop. And I will tell you still to this day, it has not stopped. Um, I've had colonoscopies, everything, but we'll get to that. So the GI started immediately in the all, all over body pain and tingles. It just felt like, like if I know you can't, like your, your viewers can't see me right now, but like take your fingernails and just put them on your skin just over and over and over again. And like the, the tingling is what my whole body felt. You know, somebody actually told me that it felt like menthol underneath their skin. Was that, yes, that's, that's what it is. Yes. That's exactly what it feels like. It's just like that, that tingle. So 
I, I have never been really big on medications. Um, growing up, my mom was always, every time I turned around, it was pop an ibuprofen. You got a headache, take an ibuprofen, take a, a Furacet. She was real big on Furacet. So I grew up not wanting any medication. I was like, I don't want it. We're going to fight, you know, fight things naturally, which is kind of ironic that I got everybody vaccinated, but, um, you know, fight things naturally. We're going to have good ingredients, yada, yada, yada. And, um, so that night I was hurting so badly. My pain relief is really like take a hot bath. I took five hot baths that night. And, um, I took throughout the night, I told my husband, I, at one point I got up and I said, my legs just don't feel right. My legs feel so heavy. And he said, what do you mean? You just don't feel well. They told you, you weren't going to feel well. They, they told you you'd be fine, but you're not going to feel well. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like I can't move my legs forward the same way that I normally do. Like, I feel like I'm waiting in cement. And he's like, you just need to go to sleep. Maybe you had too much champagne last night is what he told me because the night before I got vaccinated, I actually was at it. We went to like a work party and I had a couple glasses of champagne. She was like, maybe you had that. I'm like, no, there's something really wrong. So I went to bed. I woke up the next day and I felt okay. Still had the GI, but I wasn't correlating it at the time. So I felt okay though. The all, all over body tingles were, were pretty much gone. And I remember getting on my Instagram and like going on the stories and, you know, view the view of my face and saying, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Everything's fine with me. Because at the time when I got the vaccine, this is kind of really important in my opinion, you weren't legally able to get it at the age of 35. You, you had to be like 60 or 65. I walked in there with no problem and got that vaccine. Nobody questioned me. I didn't have any paperwork, nothing. In fact, I had asked for an exemption from my doctor and they wouldn't even see me when I was, you know, going back to when I was trying to get out of it. I had called my rheumatologist and they wouldn't even take an appointment with me to give me an exemption. The secretary came on the phone and said, he's, you know, Dr. Mugney is not seeing anybody for this. He's recommending all patients get it. So when I got off the phone with them, they actually sent me a letter stating that I was immunocompromised and that I needed to get the vaccine and they would not give me an exemption. I did not print that letter out. So when I went up to that Publix and I got that vaccine, I illegally got that vaccine, but that's a whole nother story. Um, Oh my goodness. So So I forgot where we were there. (laughs) At the time, this, the only people who were approved to get the vaccine at that time were the 60 plus or elderly and they let a 35 year old come in and get it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think I'm, this has done some wearing on my age. I have aged the last three years dramatically, I think, but I definitely don't look 60. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not 60 years old. Um, and they had my paper that showed my birth, my birth date. So, um, fast forward back to where were we? Tell me, um, so so I have, you'll have to excuse me. I have memory issues too. Sometimes, um, like brain fog, I'm still suffering with really your bad. Husband, so sometimes I lose my place. So your husband is saying maybe just go to bed after taking those five baths that night. Yes. Okay. So the next morning I got up, I got on my Instagram. I'm like, so because I was the first one out of everybody I knew to be vaccinated, I thought I was doing everyone a good service, like bringing down their, their insecurities about it, you know, because nobody, nobody wanted it. Everyone I knew we're all pretty conservative. We're pretty, even if they're not, we're pretty like, we were going into this, like, yeah, we feel like things need to change, but whoa, this thing came on too quick. So I went on there thinking, okay, I'm going to call people's nerves because people, other people are probably in the same position as me where they're being mandated, but they're really not. I didn't sign a paper mandating me to get it, but I did sign a paper saying that I couldn't work if I didn't get it. 
So it's the same thing. It's the same thing as a mandate. And I'm in the state of Florida, guys. I've had people tell me, um, and this was in May of 2021, and it was March and May of 2021. So the first one was March, March of 24th, I think, 2021. Second one was May 5th, 2021. So just so you guys know. Um, so I went on there and I was like telling people, you're going to be fine. A couple of weeks goes by. And as the weeks went on, I continued to have major GI symptoms. I called a GI. I went and I had a colonoscopy and an endoscopy. They found nothing. They told me nothing was wrong yet. My diet, everything, nothing could help with me stopping this massive, and I, it's embarrassing to say this, but like massive diarrhea thing that was happening. It was, I mean, I was just exhausted all day, every day because it, it wouldn't stop. The second I drank water, it, I was on the toilet. I, I couldn't go anywhere. Like it was just terrible. And I still suffer from this. Like it, nobody has found, uh, like to this day, nobody has found, I guess, a root cause of it. And I have done detox. I have done everything you could think of. But again, we'll get to that. Okay. So, so that is a relevant thing for anybody medical that's out there. The only way that these patients can get the help that they need, and especially legally, is for a medical person to explain the mechanism of action for each of these symptoms. So when we had our interview with the educator who has a severe reaction to the COVID vaccine, her first presenting symptom was profound thirst. And, and and she could not insatiably meet that need and to profound urination. Those are two presenting symptoms for the endocrinologists out there who know that that's what diabetics do. Well, that's what she was doing for that whole first day. Well, she's in a diabetic coma on the second day. So we do not understand why all these people's bodies are responding the way they do. But you who are doctors and nurses out there, you do know. So we need to get publications of mechanisms of injury for how this body was actually responding with severe GI distress. So you can go ahead from there, but I just, I'm putting out an alert for those. Yeah. That's okay. Um, in the meantime, I know we're going to talk about this later in the conversation, but in the meantime, my brother had sent me a silly TikTok that he saw from like Russia or China. It was not even in English. Um, and it was, you know, a magnet is sticking to somebody and he's like, maybe you should try this. And we kind of laughed it off and I was like, haha, okay. Took a magnet off my fridge, tried it and that it worked. It, it stuck to me. And so then I started freaking out and I became obsessed with it. Um, I know we're going to talk about that later on, but it is part of my story because it was 21 days. I want to say after my second 21 day. Oh wait, I did. I didn't get to the second part of the vaccine. Yeah, get to that Back up. And then you get past your first, so you're, yeah. you're in your first and they're people are literally not. experiencing my brain fog right now. So I I'm not, I'm not upset that you're experiencing it because this is what I deal with on a daily basis. So March I think it's really important. So you had your first one in March and now you're going and you're in leading up to May. You're yes, in between. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So in between, I had a vacation to Mexico. Um, my husband and I went on with a friend of ours. She won a company trip and I went as her guest. And then my husband met us there. And this was in, so I got the first one in March. So this was in April. While we were there in April, everything was paid for. It was a beautiful vacation. The GI was still a problem, but nothing else was really bothering me too much as far as, you know, the internal systems went. Um, I wasn't getting like the tingling or anything like that anymore. But while we were in Mexico, we had like a dolphin adventure or something planned. And I ended up waking up that day and really couldn't walk. And I was like, you know, I, I could walk, but I couldn't. It was very difficult. It kind of like was right back to the 
the day that I got the vaccine, when I was in so much pain, my, my spine, my back was in the, my lower back was in so much pain. I could not even walk. So my husband came, ended up coming to Mexico, getting me, we jumped on a plane. We went home. I was, I had to cut everything off. I couldn't do any excursions. And by the time I got home, I could barely even stand up. Like the pain was just so bad and my legs were not working properly. It went away after a couple of days. Pain was still there, but it wasn't as bad. So it was kind of like another flare. So again, I wasn't correlating, you know, I, I was just thinking, oh, this is just another thing. I'm unlucky that's happening to me. So, but I did think to myself, like, what if it is the vaccine? What if it is the vaccine that is doing this to me? I, I don't know how that could be, but what if it is? And I said to my husband, I'm going to have to not get the second one. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? You already got one. And how are we going to get you back to work? And I so I emailed my HR again and I told them about my reaction and I said, I'm not feeling really well, really well. I'm not trusting this. I really don't want to get the second one. I'm scared. Can I just put it off a little? And they're like, if you do, you'll have to start all over and get both again. Like it has to be in a certain amount of time. That's not even accurate that. So some, so a medical professional is giving you false information. Yeah. Ridiculous. So I ended up taking myself against my will, against my better judgment down to that same Publix, sat in the same chair, filled out the same form, got the same response to the reaction. Um, not going to get any reaction. You're going to be fine. Shot me up. I pretty much was like a five-year-old child in there. Like if you don't do it now, um, you know, I kind of laugh about my story because when I went in there, there was a line and I walked right up in front of the whole line. And I was like, if you don't give this to me now, I'm not getting it at all. Like I, I, I'm not going to wait in this line. I do not want it. My anxiety is off the chain. Everyone was like, go ahead of us, go ahead, go ahead. I feel like a child, but I was like not wanting it. After the second one, I didn't have any immediate response in my legs or my neurosystem, like my neurological system. I didn't have the same tingling. So I thought I was fine. Other than the GI, which I wasn't correlating. I thought it was fine. Then came the text from my brother. Then came the, so that's when this comes into play. Tw about 21 days after playing with all that, which we'll get into, and me just kind of not correlating anything really of my illness per se. I woke up one morning at 8.07. I'll never forget. I remember the time on the clock. My, my daughter had swim lessons downstairs. I looked at my husband and I said, I can't feel my body. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, I cannot feel my body. My chest hurts really bad, but my legs are not working. I cannot lift them. I cannot feel them. My head is pounding. My heart is like, feel. And I took his hand. I said, Brock, feel my heart rate. Something is wrong. And he, again, he's like, maybe you had too much wine last night. Listen, I'm a mom of three. I'm a wine drinker. <laughs> he's like, maybe you had too much last night. And I'm like, why do you always say that to me when I tell you I don't feel well? I'm like, no, something is wrong. He's like, you need to try to take a shower. So I, I like took my legs as hard as I could and I pushed them off the bed because even though when I say I couldn't feel them, when you go from one extreme to the other, you might be a little bit of a hypochondriac saying it at first, you know, I couldn't feel them, but I could still, I still made it from my bed to the bathroom. So it's probably 10 feet. So I got into the shower. I almost fainted. So I crawled back to the bed. My husband's like, well, I'm going to take, you know, Olivia down for the, the swim lessons and then take her to my dad's. He came down, he took her to her dad. It's probably 45 minutes. He took her to his dad's. Soon as he left, I started to fade out. I thought I was dying. I was not going to come back. I, there was, I could feel myself dying. I grabbed my phone. 
I knew my German shepherd was downstairs and I being married to a cop, I know protocols. I've had a house burned down in the past. Like I know protocols. So I'm like, they're not going to be able to get in with the dog and the door locked. I have to get down the stairs. I somehow crawled down the stairs. Maybe it's the mom and me. I don't know. I still don't know how I got down the stairs, but I somehow crawled down the stairs, unlocked the front door. I woke up on the bathroom floor. 911 was on the phone. So they're on the phone, you know, saying, asking where the dog's at. The dog's licking my face everywhere. Like, you know, I, I couldn't put him outside, but I unlocked the door and, and got, I think I put him outside after, or they did. I don't even remember really how that happened, but he was inside licking my face when, when this was going on. I do remember that. They end up coming in and there were probably six or seven paramedics. I could see them. I could hear them. I could not speak my arms and you guys are medical people. So you'll know what this is. I'm not a medical person by any means, but my arms, they were telling me my CO2 levels were so low. Like, I want to say they said it was like a nine or a 10, if that means anything to you okay. when it's supposed to be like a 40 or 50, I think. Okay. I think that's in relation. Okay. My arms were above my head. They were like rigor mortis. You could not move them. You, the paramedics kept trying to push them down. They wouldn't. My legs were like seizing in. Um, I wasn't breathing hard. There were tears rolling down my face. I wasn't seizing, but my body was, it was really weird. Um, I could feel the tears rolling down my face, but I couldn't speak. I couldn't say anything. And you actually on the 911 call, which I'll have a, a copy of, you actually hear me fading out. Like you hear me say, I feel like, I feel like my body is going numb. And then I really don't say much after that again. The phone drops after that. So I was taken to a detox hospital. They thought I was on drugs. Oh my word. This is a, unbelievable what is happening here. So you probably didn't even say to them, I just had a COVID-19 vaccine or my second shot. And you're not I even talk. Your brain is not even functioning correctly. So this is a lot. We're going to we're gonna pick this up right after the break and pick up where we left off because here we are with Britt okay. after her second shot, reluctantly getting her shot in extreme medical duress. And in that extreme medical duress, uh, duress, they're bringing her to a detox hospital instead of a medical facility. So the absurdity of it all is just yet another extreme example of what has happened during this COVID-19 psychotic situation that we've all come through is that even the medical community doesn't even respond appropriately and don't even know how to respond because they have not been prepared. No, no public health authorities obviously prepared the emergency personnel of what they might be meeting at the door with a vaccine injured person. So after the break, we'll come right back to that. It's time and World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. 
Hey everyone, Nurse Kimberly Overton here from Nurses Out Loud. Over time, our cell signaling molecules diminished, leaving us vulnerable to the wear and tear of life. With the Sea of Redox, you can restore and revitalize your body at the cellular level. This is an incredible product that I personally use and can attest to seeing fantastic results, including better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. ASEA supports your immune system, enhancing your body's natural ability to repair itself. It promotes overall well-being so that you can experience a new level of vitality and resilience. It's time to take control of your health and experience the power of ASEA. Visit our online store today at americaoutloud.shop and use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15%. Be sure to tune in to Nurses Out Loud Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. With the rise of independent media, we are now AmericaOutloud.news. For the genius of the United States is not found in its executives or legislatures, nor its ambassadors, authors, colleges, or churches, nor even in its newspapers or inventors. The genius of the United States is we the people. AmericaOutloud.news. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Nurses Out Loud. I'm here with Britt Galvin, a significantly injured COVID-19 vaccine injury person, American citizen. And as you were hearing her story, you may think, oh gosh, there's just so many details going on. How can I keep up with it all? Well, just imagine being her and having all of these things suddenly change her life. So we have a woman who was in a previous marriage, in an abusive marriage, the major breadwinner, and trying to become a success all throughout her life after having that unsuccessful marriage because of the way this kind of partner was. And she has become a success. She's a very successful woman. And in her successful career, her business demands that she get this vaccine and pressures her and bullies her and feels like it gives her no choice. And here she is a primary breadwinner in her second marriage with a police officer who does not make as much money as she does. So she feels like their life, their choices for their life have made it so that her income is that important. And when my husband actually, as the primary breadwinner, was pressured to get his vaccine, he's like, how can I not do it? Our mortgage and everything about our entire life is based on my income. So I'm going to have to do this. And I'm like, well, Nurse Michelle is going to write this exemption letter. But she didn't have a Nurse Michelle in her her home. She didn't have access to that. She'd already tried to reach out to her doctors. Her doctor said, no, not going to help you out with that vaccine exemption. You're going to have to get this. So everybody that she trusted um, and she tried to Google, she tried to trust Google and find out if she could find information about this vaccine. The vaccine information was not out there. All that she was being told was this is safe and effective and necessary and she's got to do it. And she's a primary breadwinner, so she's going to do it. And here she is going into it, even with pre-existing conditions that are listed on the form that specifically say, be sure to talk to the pharmacist about if you have these things. She has those things. 
And the pharmacist actually says, no worries. Just go walk around the place for 30 minutes and come back in your appropriate time and come back and get your second one. And she does. And she comes back and get her second one. And where we left off, she was going into the emergency room with arms that would not move above her head. She couldn't speak. She couldn't functionally walk. She is becoming a handicapped person. And this becomes one of four hospitalizations that happen over the next weeks ahead. And I want her to pick up right there where she left off. And something that we want to make sure to address is something she briefly touched on, which is one of her bizarre symptoms that happens um, somewhere between the first and second visit. Her brother tells her about something weird that's going on, that people who are vaccinated are being magnetic. And you may think that's ridiculous. And apparently a lot of people thought she was ridiculous for even um, saying it, but she tested it on herself. And sure enough, she was magnetic. And we can talk about that. But I want to make sure that those that are in this audience hear something. Dr. Peter McCullough, the most published cardiologist in our country, who's one of our uh, very famous personalities right now, that's even on America Out Loud Talk Radio with a McCullough Report, recently addressed this topic on his show. And the topic was that there is contamination within these mRNA vaccines and that he specifically says something about the magnetism. And I want everybody to hear that momentarily before we pick up with Britt. Get real, let's get loud. America Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough's part, and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. I have an exclusive edition of the McCullough Report this week, focusing on what are the differences from vial to vial in these vaccines. Why are some people getting sick with injections of one vial and then not getting sick with injections of another vial? We had heard about the VAERS reports not being equally distributed across the different batches or the different lots of COVID-19 vaccines. Initially, the batches were quite small. So the batches had in them uh, potentially more contaminants as they came out of these big vats. The vaccines went through steps of working with naked DNA to produce the code for the messenger RNA, the messenger RNA then being loaded on lipid nanoparticles and then in suspension and then into vials. And this process uh, generated batches as, you know, batches could be uh, from a, a few liters at first or a few hundreds of liters to ultimately thousands of liters. So small batches, we learned, actually had uh, small metallic fragments in it because they came off through the manufacturing process just enough to cause magnetism. And remember all these videos of uh, people getting a shot and then having some metal stick to the arm? That was real because the batches were small and there was a small micro amount of magnetic material that went into the human body. I think that's well recognized. I do find it interesting that all these videos of magnetism have gone away. We just haven't seen it in the last few years because I imagine the batch sizes are sufficiently large. The dilution of the magnetic material is, is now so great that it doesn't cause significant magnetism. But that should be disturbing that we shouldn't have products injected into us that cause magnetism that don't have a full disclosure of what is in the um, products. And this came out, uh, you may have remembered this, uh, this came out in the December 7th U.S. Senate testimony when Dr. Renata Moon, who's a pediatrician formerly at Washington University in St. Louis, uh, discussed what the package insert looks like for the messenger RNA vaccines. So a few months ago, I, I looked at the package insert. I pulled it from the box of mRNA products. And, you know, it was sealed just like I'm showing you here. I, I unsealed the box with the 
entire thing came in. And then I pulled this out. And this is what it looks like. So it's like, it's blank. Boom. There it is. It says intentionally blank. That's the data that pharmacists and physicians are facing on getting the injections outside of mainstream media recommendations. There it is right there. Here's another question. Why didn't they just print that on a piece of paper the size of a postage stamp? Why all the theater of folding it up into a great big piece of paper like, like that? Why? Right. So how am I to get informed consent to parents when I have, this is what I have. I have a government that's telling me that I have to stay safe and effective. And if I don't, my license is at threat. Um, how am I to get informed consent to patients? We're seeing an uptick in myocarditis. We're seeing an uptick in adverse reaction. We have trusted these regulatory agencies I have for my entire career up until now. Something is extremely wrong. As we can hear, Dr. McCullough as a credible source telling us that not only was there magnetism, and we know why there was magnetism, because in the early days when Britt was getting it, which was one of the first people that was lining up to get it, she felt like she had to do it. She got that vaccine and she was part of the batches that were more, um, what would be the right word? It's not less dilute. And now they're saying the reason why we're seeing less magnetism is because they're making larger batches and it's more dilute now. So it's not that there's less magnets that are out there, the metal particles that are still in these products for some people. It's that it's more diluted. So the profoundness of the injury is maybe getting a little bit less. But here is another reality that we just heard about as well. She asked her pharmacist to please explain uh, just like she was asked to on the document to talk to her pharmacist. Well, all her pharmacist had was a blank piece of paper with absolutely zero information. So Britt was unable to get proper informed consent, which is unethical, medically unethical. It was unethical for the pharmacist to not validate that there was nothing provided to her. Instead of saying a lie, which is nobody's having any complications, she basically should have said, I'm ignorant and cannot speak to this point. I have nothing to offer you because they gave me nothing. And if she had, if that pharmacist had been honest and actually said those words to Britt, Britt might've been stopped in her tracks and said, oh, I don't want this in my body. If you don't even know what's going on with me. But so Britt's story is just one of many. So Britt, tell us how this magnetism story actually started for you. So my brother had sent me, um, and remind me to touch on what you just said about the pharmacist and the magnetism, because I did confront the pharmacist with the magnet sticking to both my arm and my head. So we will talk about that. But um, it started on my arm. It started where I took the, and I didn't, I first didn't look at the picture. The day I got the vaccine, I actually took a picture, a selfie of myself. And I didn't realize that, that I had done that, but I had taken a picture of myself in the car. So I still had the bandaid on my arm. So fast forward to when all this happened, I was able to look and see the exact area of where I had the vaccine, but both vaccines I had on my left arm in the same exact spot. And when this first happened and my brother, we were laughing about it. My brother told me to try. I just used a magnet off the fridge. I took a magnet. I wiped off my arm with some alcohol, let it dry. And then I took the magnet and I slowly skid it over my skin. I started at the top of my shoulder with two fingers very lightly on the outside of the magnet and I pulled it down. As I pulled down, it flipped the magnet out of my hands every single time I went over the spot. 
I'd pick it up off the ground. And I have videos of this with my son, my 16 year old son standing there with me, my husband in the background, my other kids watching. And you watch every time, you know, you slide it down, it would flip. It was like, it was pushing it off of my skin. It would push it off every time I kept playing with it. And what I learned is if I sat there and I let it push it off, if I turned the magnet over, after it pushed it off, sometimes I had to flip it two or three times. But if I turned the magnet over, it then pulled exactly where it pushed. It would then pull and I could feel the pull underneath my skin. I could feel it pulling the magnet to my skin. Okay. It doesn't really take any medical knowledge to know that somebody becoming magnetic like that might be unhealthy for your bodies. And if any doctors out there that studied any science on magnetism's impact on the body, we all know that magnets matter and impact our body and can make you be able to read inside the brain by an MRI. But yet um, we can't sit here and pretend like somebody having that injected into their body isn't in adversely going to impact their health. Whether that science has been appropriately published yet, even though Dr. McCullough does reference that it does. We'll try to get a citation in this um, show note after the show. But the point is, is that we need more citations because there's mechanisms of injury that are happening here. And she's just experiencing them no matter how bizarre it may sound to you. Yeah. So that was the beginning. Um, but throughout the four hospital stays, which we'll get to, I was showing all of my doctors and my nurses. Um, it ended up being way more than magnets. At first I thought it was funny, but then once I ended up hospitalized, it, it, it quickly dawned on me that nothing that was happening to my body was funny. None of it was funny whatsoever. Um, but it ended up being Michelle, it, it ended up being not just a magnet. I could stick toenail clippers, the heavy, large toenail clippers to my head, pairs of scissors to my head, um, knives, forks, everything. So as I was going through these four hospital stays, I had a series of, after the, the ambulance took me to the detox hospital, they quickly realized I was not on drugs. They transferred me to another hospital. I came home for a few days, went to another hospital because it was still happening. That's when I ended up getting a spinal tap. I ended up coming home, going to another hospital the fourth time, which is where I ended up with all my diagnosis finally. But during all that time, I was still heavily magnetic and it was going from my arm to my entire body. You could stick batteries on my children's chests, not just me. And guys, I have videos of all of this. I have videos of using baby powder, of going live. People were calling me all kinds of crazy names. I went completely viral. Millions of people were watching my story and they were testing me. They were like, even in the hospital, I had keychains, keys, coins. Um, you know, everyone's like, oh, well, coins are not magnetic. Well, if you actually paid attention and do the research, because I started doing so much research, there are certain coins, I think going back to 1992, that were no longer made with the same material. They're made with very mixed material now. So there were certain things, uh, baby clips or Bobby, what do they call them? Bobby clips. But the, the craziest one was the scissors. I, there's literally a video of me in front of the doctor, putting the scissors on my head very lightly, by the way, I wasn't just, I wasn't pressing it hard. I just held it up and it stuck. And I moved my hand away and a full old bodied pair of scissors hanging to my head. Did you just say that your kids had things stick to them? Did they get the vaccine as well? Yes, they did not. But my one son ended up with shingles three days after my vaccine. And both of my sons um, ended up with batteries sticking to their chest. I have videos of it. So they did not. I took it all to the doctors. Living only. They did not. I, it, with a vaccinated person. It was later explained to me that they believed I shed on them. 
Okay. All right. So we'll have to address that at another point on another show, but that is a significant thing to say. I thought yeah. you said they did not get the vaccine. So that's unbelievable. The they did not. Okay. So yeah, they did not are, get the vaccine. Here you are. You end up with several diagnoses by the time all these hospitalizations are over. What are the primary yeah. diagnoses they give you? So, and, and we'll talk on the second show, I guess, about all the gaslighting, but during what I do want to say is during all these four hospitals trips, I was treated as a problem. I was treated as a nuisance. It was written on my record everywhere that I needed to be watched. They did call the police on me for videotaping. They told me I wasn't allowed to videotape myself in the hospital because one of the nurses followed me on Instagram. And when I went famous, I guess she must've seen my video. Um, and she told on me. So the hospital supervisor came in with the police and basically told me I was not allowed to film. Now the same hospital I noticed has signs up in every room now saying that you're not allowed to videotape. Um, they didn't have that prior. So all that stuff happened. I was very, very much gaslit. They did not call a neurology team or a cardiologist until my fourth hospital stay. Every time they told me I would get one, they did not do it. On the fourth hospital stay, after my spinal tap, after my CFS leak, CSF leak, after everything I went through, um, I finally saw a neurologist and cardiologist. I was immediately within four hours diagnosed with pericarditis of the heart and immediately started treatment. Um, so the sack around my heart was swollen yep. and everything I had been saying about all my chest pain was accurate at the time. I think it's important to note that my EKG, they told me it kept coming back normal. So they said I wasn't stroking or anything like that. They were more concerned about a stroke. They didn't even pay attention or think to look for pericarditis. This cardiologist did then came Guillain-Barre. They diagnosed me with Guillain-Barre the same exact day that I got diagnosed with Guillain-Barre syndrome. Um, the vice president of the United States was on the TV in front of me. It's crazy how, when you go through trauma, you can remember certain smells, certain looks, what the, what was on the TV. I mean, I guess we all kind of say that about nine 11, right? We all remember exactly where we were. I remember the smell of the room when I got diagnosed because it was like everything I had been saying was true. You can't fake a Guillain-Barre. <laughs> you can't fake pericarditis. Um, and you can't, you can't tell a doctor. So people understand. was literally paralyzed. They thought I was faking. They hadn't even put um, an alert on my bed. And so I tried to go to the bathroom one night and fell backwards on the toilet and fell onto the ground. I mean, I could not walk. I could not walk. They were sticking needles in my legs. So when this diagnosis came, I remember I just started bawling my eyes out, Michelle. I started crying so bad. And he sat down, that neurologist sat down next to me and he held my hand and he said, you don't listen to anybody else. They are ignorant. You, they are ignorant. You are going to live. You are going to be okay. We are going to get you better. And he validated that it was a vaccine injury, correct? He did. And he told me, he made sure to tell me the flu vaccine can do it too. He made yeah. sure to throw that in there. But I did ask him about VAERS. And I said, does this need to be reported to VAERS? What happens if it happens to other people? He looked at the nurse and he said, you need to report this to VAERS right now. Has it ever been reported? That, did it get reported? Oh, it got reported after I threatened legal action on them weeks later, but yes, it was finally reported. I reported it myself after the first, um, I, somebody taught me, one of my followers, you know, taught me how to report it to VAERS. So I did on the first hospital stay. So the initial VAERS report just says that I went in an ambulance and came to a hospital, but he reported it after the fourth hospital stay. So it went in the same report from what I've been told. So, so Guillain-Barre. That's even a brave doctor willing to tell you the truth about what's wrong with you. Wasn't brave enough 
or didn't do the job that was required of him to get his VAERS report without even having to take legal action, threat with legal action. Right. That's, that's a shame. Right. So Guillain-Barre, pericarditis, POTS syndrome, neuropathic postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. My heart rate, remember going back to when I told my husband, feel my heart rate, something's wrong. It was going up into the 200s. It was going up into the 200s 30 seconds after I would stand up. So they would hold, both nurses would hold my arms and stand me up. And he, he goes, put her back down, put her back down immediately because my POTS was off the chain. It's why I was fainting. It's why I was having syncope, all of the above. Um, When she says syncope, that means that she faints. So here, here we have a woman whose life has been totally turned upside down, a primary provider of her family who is now literally spending thousands and thousands of dollars for medical care and intervention with diagnoses that cost thousands, if not millions, if you include what the insurance is paying to cover all of these expenses. And this brings up another point that we need to get to, which is the reality that it is an obligation of the medical community to notify this and let you know that this uh, countermeasures injury compensation program is relevant to you and that you need to get this filed. So you're within, and sadly, the CICP only allows you to file within the first year after the Mm COVID-19 vaccine injury, but the majority of people aren't being told that. And they don't, and most doctors don't even know there is a VICP with vaccine injury compensation program that you don't qualify for. So it sounds like this happened to you. So tell us what happened when it comes to notifying for your protection legally. So I, after I was treated with um, all of the medications for the Guillain-Barre and everything, I went home, I think after five or six days from the hospital, I was very blessed and lucky that they caught it because it could have gotten a lot lot worse. After I went home, the first thing I thought is, okay, I need to report this to Moderna. What do I do? What? How do I help other people? So I called Moderna directly. I recorded the entire conversation. I asked them if this was happening to other people. They told me, yes, they're getting a lot of phone calls. Um, I reported that on my Instagram. And I think that's why people started coming to my page because I was like the only source out there going through it that was exposing everything. I was recording everything. I wasn't like letting a single thing go. And so I get Moderna on the phone and they're saying all this stuff to me. And I said, well, do I qualify for any, like I'm, and I got all this from Google, like nobody helped me. I was like, do I qualify from this like vaccine, like injury program? I don't know if it was even called CISP or VISP. I couldn't even tell you the difference. I'm just a normal citizen. I know nothing. And they told me, no, they told me that the, because it was an experimental, I got them on record saying this, because it was an experimental inoculation and it's still in like discovery mode or whatever word they used that it didn't qualify for that program, that it's vaccines that were approved, FDA approved. So because I hadn't had one of those, I, I didn't qualify. So I didn't even try. Well, I never clear. tried. Let's be clear. There was no approved vaccine when the mandate came out. The, the, Correct. The, and you're getting it in March. There is no, it's not approved. It's not approved at all, all the way through 2021. It wasn't approved. They used the word that it was approved, but it was actually the commonality vaccine that was approved that wasn't even available in the United States. They kept saying the Pfizer one's approved. Well, yeah, it was called Pfizer's commonality, but it wasn't available in the U.S. So everybody who got a Pfizer shot got the BioNTech, not the commonality. So they didn't. nobody knew that. They just said the word Pfizer and thought it meant the same thing because yeah. they're, like you said, a normal U.S. citizen, not a um, pharmaceutical rep. Right. So uh, when I was told that I didn't even qualify for it, um, because my father-in-law had taken me to the hospital, we requested all my records. I had like, it's huge. There's like a picture of me on my Instagram. I had this huge box with 1500 pages of medical records. I was ready to go to war. I was ready to prove my case. I threw it all out and burned it because they told me 
you don't qualify. So I was like, Oh, great. What am I going to do? I just, you know, I I'm told I'd have no, no recourse. There's nothing. So I went on a mission to just save the world. Like I'm just going to save the world one person at a time. And I told myself I'm never going to stop. Yeah. Let's address that. So she has a social media platform and you have how many people before the first censorship hits and how many has it happened to you? So I was on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and Telegram prior to being deleted. It it was from my standard or from the statistics, it showed that my story had reached like 13 million people, but I had an, I had a regular about a hundred thousand, maybe a little bit less um, people following me on Instagram, for example, and they deleted me. When I started telling my story, they censored all of my posts, especially my my magnet ones. Um, celebrities started mocking me, making fun of me. Everybody started reporting my, you know, my videos as false. I started getting death threats, hate threats. Um, people were calling my work. They were doing background checks on me, finding out where I lived, sending stuff to my house. It was it was terrible. Um, but I didn't stop. I just kept going, but they deleted me. I built another one. They deleted me again. I built another one. So now I'm at 52,000 people who have found me again. There's still like, you know, 50,000 people missing, but I was banned from. If people do not understand this, when a account gets deleted, they disappear. You can't just go find like, what was that girl's name? How can I find her? The magnetic girl. Do I even know her name? It is not is the punishment of having your account deleted is severe. And we're talking about access to being like if she had any business that she was trying to run through that, that means they cut mm-hmm. off the ability to make any money as well. So the, the level of discrimination that happened to the censored is quite profound. And I want to go into that on a second show about how severely she was censored because we, we just don't have time for it all today. But I want to make sure she gets to express to you before the show ends today is how much physical change has happened in her life and how much suffering has happened and that she's still in the middle of right now. Yeah. I mean, I ended up back at the hospital several times throughout the last couple of years due to chest pain. That's out of everything I'm still dealing with. I will tell you the one that scares me the most is the chest pain because I'm a 38 year old woman. Um, and I have three children to raise my oldest being 16, my youngest being six, and I, I need to be alive. You know, even if I'm par- the way I've had to start teaching myself to think is if I end up in a wheelchair, at least I'm alive, you know, and that's sad that that's how I have to think, but that is what I've conditioned myself to think because, um, you know, reality is everything I've been through. I've had to learn like the PTSD really sets in that it's not going to be perfect for me. I will never be the same person again. I will never be quote unquote normal again. I will never, sorry, cry every time I like talk about this. Like I will never be the same ever. And that's okay though. That's okay. Like I will be a new person and I will be somebody who makes a difference. Um, but the chest pain has really concerned me. And so I've ended up at the hospital a couple more times. And this last hospital stay, I finally popped an abnormal EKG after my three years of complaining. They had told me about a year ago that my pericarditis cleared up. They did a cardiac MRI and they said that it cleared up. So it was shocking to me that my, and this was just about two months ago, that my abnormal, my EKG showed up abnormal. But what it showed was left atrial enlargement, which I don't really know what that means. Nobody even talked to me about it. And I haven't seen the cardiologist yet, but left atrial enlargement and then three leaky valves. Yeah. So I do have that. I don't. Lifelong care moving forward. And when she, and you hear her passion and her voice saying, I am not the same person anymore. 
We're talking about a woman who is literally making huge impact. She's out there doing what she can to help people find out any help for detox. We're going to make sure that in the show notes, there's information about detox options for anybody that's out there. And it's phenomenal that you were actually taken to a detox for drugs um, place, but that's how you present it as. And that's how we get censored by daring to say that there's something to detox from, from this COVID-19 vaccine. Clearly her body has been severely adversely impacted. She is not the same person anymore, but she is among the brave and courageous and courage is contagious. And we are going to hope that the listeners hear her courage and we're going to table to a part two of this show and let you hear some of this profound level of punishment and torture she has gotten just for doing what her federal government recommended she do, what her company said she should do. She is still suffering today. There are millions of dollars in medical bills and there is justice needed for her. So on last seconds, what would you say would be something you want to say to those people who are considering getting a booster right now? The research is there now. It wasn't there when I did it. If it was, it wasn't uh, reachable. Research is there now. So the people I say that are getting it, it has been proven that it doesn't work first and foremost. So why, why are you getting it? It, it, For what reason? Just to comply? Because that doesn't make any sense why you would want to sit in my shoes. Why would you want to take that chance to not be alive for your family? You're taking it to stay alive, but it's proven not to keep you alive. So why would you give yourself a death sentence? I don't understand it. Yes. And this is a woman who has had COVID five times since she has had her vaccine. So clearly it's not making her less likely to spread the virus and the contagion. She is a contagion. She's been, was a contagion recently. So she knows exactly that this thing has done nothing but harm to her body. So thank you so much for coming on here and telling your show and stay thank t- you for having me. <laughs> stay tuned for part two. We're going to continue this story because it is one worth hearing. Not only are we in a war for truth, we are in a war for the lives of the American people. Nurses Out Loud is doing what we can to make America aware of those suffering and to bring solutions to the suffering. We have chosen a product to be our sponsor for our show that is 100% natural and native to the body, ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. This product looks promising as an ideal solution for people like Britt injured by this vaccine by turning on your own natural doctor within. You can go to the americaoutloud.shop and find the ASEA products. We encourage you to try the Redox Molecules liquid drink morning and night for 90 days. Write to Nurse Michelle on our show page, www.americaoutloud.news slash nursesoutloud, and we will put you in touch with a physician at ASEA to help customize your plan of attack toward finding wellness for you or someone you love in this post-COVID era. If you're a person with chronic inflammation or autoimmune diseases, you need to check this product out as well. We are five nurses here to help. Please send us an email with your questions. Until next week. It's time.